and this is the podcast, Go Be Great. There's no such thing as TMI here, so let's chat, meet amazing humans, and have conversations about life, confidence, and more without the filter. Come hang weekly as I shed light on the topics we often feel we need to hide as we celebrate the ebbs and flows of learning what being great really looks like. Buckle up, buttercups, and let's go be great together. This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for spending your time with me. Before we get into this week's episode, which as you can tell from the title, Ego versus Your True Self, I love this so much. I want to go on a little bit of a rant because I don't know if it's just me, but in my 30s, these period cramps have been on another level. Now, I am very used to having pretty bad cramps. Um, We're diving right into the lady talk. Should have given a warning, but mm, at this point, we're in episode three. I feel like I've given the TMI warning, so I think you kind of just know what you're in for at this point. I digress. So, a little story time. This week, we have state testing in school, and I woke up, and I was like, "Mm, here we are. This feels weird. The trolls are back, clawing their way through my uterus. So there is no worse. No, I shouldn't say there's no worse place, but I have learned that putting it on the top five, maybe places to get really bad cramps is going to be sitting in a room where you need to follow certain rules and be silent and watch a group of preteens not follow any of the strategies you've taught them since August with your blood, sweat, and tears while you are simultaneously trying to mask the fact that you are in excruciating abdominal pain. So I can usually boss up. Like, not for nothing, but I have a pretty high tolerance for pain. So when it happens, I usually just strap on my Jovi patch and have myself a time. However, this time was a little bit different. I thought that I was masking it really well. I was like, bent over like bouncing my leg like trying anything I was walking around one of my students asked me to sit down because I was stressing them out with so much with like the speed I guess or the frequency at which I was walking around the classroom like he like sit when you're looking over my shoulder it's freaking me out cool I got you boo so I sat down um and my one student was like Mr. Chico do you have to go to the bathroom they thought I was about to shit myself I was like, no, it's not that type of pain, boo. Like, I'm, I'm all right. And that's when I knew I needed to figure it all the way out. I was about to strap in a heating pad sitting behind my desk. Point of story, is this okay? Are we okay? Is this something that happens? I know your period must change, right, over time. But it's just not feeling great. So if anyone can sympathize, please let me know. And if you have any remedies, I have a Jovi patch which is amazing. There's just got to be something more when it's that bad. I don't know. Maybe I just don't have it in the right place either. But if you have never heard of the Jovi patch, it's this magnetic. uh, No, it's not magnetic. I don't even know why I just said that. It's this patch that apparently astronauts even use up in space. So I figured if NASA can handle it for their pain in on Mars, then I can handle it sitting in a classroom, right? Well, apparently my uterus had other plans for this month because it was like, mm, challenge accepted, bitch. So it's this patch and you can use adhesive. You just stick it on there. It does take a minute to try and figure out where the right spot is because it will, what's the word? It will pick up on where the pain is coming from and send something to it to make it stop. You can use it for migraines. You can use it for anywhere you have pain, basically, muscular pain or headaches, whatever. So it's used 
by astronauts, guys. NASA uses it. And here we are as women trying to figure it out. But you have to get it in the sweet spot. So you need to have patience for that. Uh, so maybe I just didn't get the sweet spot this time. But let me tell you what. Anyway, if you have any other remedies, then please send them my way. Now let's get into some recommendations. I've had a lot of you really into the clothing journey, which I love. Let's let's also remember the clothing journey costs money. And I am a teacher. <laughs> so give me a minute. I did just get a haul from Old Navy. I do nerd out to Old Navy. I know that they have come under fire for um, saying how inclusive they are and starting out keeping a bunch of different sizes in stock in their stores and then not really following through with that for the long run to keep those consistent sizes available in stores. So I would also like to use this time to let Old Navy know like, hey, get your shit together, boo, because I really ride for Old Navy. I love it so much. I love their denim. I love the different shapes of, of their denim and the names of the different shapes, like the Diva Cut specifically. I don't even know if they still have the Diva Cut anymore, but it was a favorite for a long time. And I love their size inclusivity. In the store that's local to me, I will say, I have seen sizes up to like 4 and 5X in store. Is there a variety? No. They could definitely be doing better there. However, I think that there is room for grace if they just hold themselves accountable enough to their promise. You cannot be saying body equity all over your store with these beautiful billboards of these beautiful humans and then not follow through with what is on the shelf. Okay, with that said, I do love Old Navy. And I think that they are doing good work, but they could be doing great work and they could be better at keeping a variety of different styles of those sizes in store, not just a few sweaters thrown on a shelf, okay? Now, with that said, I think that my uniform recently has been a nice, comfy, linen, cotton pant with a bodysuit, and I think that that's going to be the staple of life, and just mix and match that up, because I have found through this journey that if I am not comfortable in the clothes, it's brutal, and it makes me a lot more susceptible to talking shit about my body and myself. If you're not comfortable in your clothing, you're going to immediately think the reason why you're not comfortable in your clothing is because of your body. And it's not our body's problem. So it might just be the clothes. You know, let's not be so quick to blame our bodies these days. So that's something that I have learned is that if it's not comfortable and comfortable doesn't need to mean frumpy. Comfortable doesn't need to mean not cute or not fashionable. You can find your style. And I think that this is what the journey is all about. I'm actually thinking about having a stylist on. I'm going to have to contact her about it because she would be amazing to have on here. And she would give great advice to everybody, especially hearing how many of you are interested in having this same journey. So let's do it together, shall we? Recommendations for this week. I don't know what I want to call these segments yet, so I'm just randomly calling them something different. Bex Rex. Ooh, just thought of that right on the spot. This one actually comes from my friend Katie, who told me to watch Love and Death on HBO Max. It's from an actual true crime, which immediately makes me more invested in it because of my obsession with true crime. So it's really good. There's only three episodes out right now, and there might be another one on by the time you hear this episode. So check it out. HBO Max, Love and Hate. That's what I've been into this week. I've also really been into resting my body because I cannot stand how this school year specifically, and I think it's because we have not been wearing masks this winter for the first time in forever since pre-COVID. So we're all just building our immune systems up again. That and, you know, burnout's real. But 
this year, every time the weekend hits, I am just crashed. I feel like I can't keep the party going (laughs) through the weekend. Or I'm just getting whatever the kids get. And it just so happens that because my adrenaline goes throughout the week where I know I need to be on, I know I need to be serving everybody else and all the other things and pulled in a million different directions, that once Friday hits and I'm home, it's finally when my body and my brain can be like, okay, now you can chill, bitch. And now let's really find out what's going on with you. So here I am. It's happened again. I feel like garbage. But we are here. I'm happy to be here. And this is very cathartic. So I enjoy the fact that you enjoy it with me. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay, so I will preface that I make a lot of references to Glennon Doyle's work. Her, if you're new around here, her book Untamed is my Bible. I have read it three times and each time it has profoundly impacted me in a different way based on where I am in life. And I think that it's extremely powerful. So if you have not read Untamed, I highly suggest it. And my book has different things written in it, highlighted. I've journaled upon it. It makes me reflective. Her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things with Abby and her sister Amanda, I really love. And it really makes me reflect. And I take note in what I want to journal on and think about later and unpack for myself. So this week, or maybe, no, it was not this week, actually. It was a few weeks ago. There's just this part of their conversation that I really wanted to unpack with you all because they mentioned it in, it wasn't the whole episode. Um, It was actually, their episode was on how everyone needs to recover from something in life because Glennon was talking about her eating disorder recovery and how we all need to really be recovering from something in life. And I thought that it was such a beautiful episode. And at one point, she touched on ego versus your true self. And they had this beautiful discussion about it. And then they continued talking about recovery. But that struck with me so much because I resonate very deeply with ego versus true self. Because for so long, I think all of us do this, we live in our ego. And we have been told that if we need to check our ego at the door or, you know, put your ego aside for a second. Whenever I hear something about the ego, I immediately get defensive, which is exactly what our ego is. So I wanted to unpack some of the things that they had mentioned that really resonated with me and why it resonated with me. And maybe it'll land in that same realm for you. And I hope that it I hope that this episode helps you understand your ego versus your true self and if you feel yourself getting activated or you feel yourself getting a little bit defensive about what I say that might be your ego talking so they go into the episode and they are starting to describe about your ego versus your true self so they say that the ego is the part of you that holds on tight it says I need to be defensive. I need to protect this. It's a little judgmental, but it's our reaction, basically. And when we want to be reactive and defensive and protective, that is our ego speaking. And our true self is soft and curious and has a desire for more or a desire to be better. And our true self is often the voice that is very quiet. And our true self is very quiet. It doesn't necessarily speak very loudly, because we have been conditioned by a society or by our circumstances and our lived experiences to have our ego be the bigger presence because we maybe have had circumstances where we need to be defensive and we need to protect ourselves as a coping mechanism or as one of our tools for survival. 
and I have shared before about the moment where I feel like I have I chose myself and listened to my true self for the first time. However, that's not a lot of people's experiences. And since then, I have learned that my true self and that my true voice is a lot quieter and is harder to listen to sometimes. So until you practice really tuning back in with that side of yourself, you really don't realize how big your ego is playing in your life. So I know deep down things can be more peaceful and loving and that my true self is that voice of knowing. I call it my knowing. Thank you, Glennon Doyle, for giving me that language to call it my knowing because I resonate with that so deeply. So when you're choosing yourself and you're listening to your truer self, it feels more peaceful. It feels like it's coming from a place of love and that deep knowing. It For me, physically, it kind of feels warm and it feels light and it just feels right. And our ego is typically the previous versions of ourselves that decided you need to do this, you need to look this way in order to survive or to be accepted. And your true self is often speaking like they are ready for more. And in order to do that, we need to have full faith that that version of ourselves exists somewhere without having any evidence that that life has ever been lived. So when she talks about this evidence or lack of evidence that this life being lived has ever been there, I resonated with that so much because what if it's that little glimmer of like, what if there is a life outside of feeling like I could not get off this hamster wheel of dieting and restricting or feeling less than or needing to make myself smaller. And that felt like that was the life I had to live because I was the problem. And my ego would be that protection, that protection of if I just make myself smaller, if I just don't speak so loudly or just make the jokes before everybody else, then that's how I would protect myself. And that was my ego speaking. That's not truly who I am. That's just what I have been doing throughout my entire life in order to protect myself and in order to feel like I have this armor on. And I personally did not think that there was a life outside of doing everything I possibly could to be accepted by others, to be seen as desirable, and that the world would only accept me or those feelings would only be attainable if I was smaller in body, voice, and took up less space in the world or wasn't a burden or taking up too much space in someone else's life. And that could not be more wrong. That is, again, the ego speaking. Whenever I acted that way or I had those beliefs, that was my ego protecting myself from my own vulnerability. And when you can drop that ego down and set it down, you feel like you are just left as this open nerve. I think she described it as an open nerve. And you just feel so raw and so vulnerable. And that's scary as shit. So in order to get to that other version of ourselves and living in our truest form and our truest selves, we need to disrupt the ego. You need to get uncomfortable and radically honest with ourselves and unpack where these beliefs are rooted, even if they aren't ours to carry. Because often it's not ours to carry. It goes back to the thing with boundaries. And do I want to have responsibility for this? You can have that same conversation here with yourself when you really are sitting with your feelings of getting defensive and protective and feeling like you're judging yourself or circumstances what is this is this something I have responsibility for and if you have the responsibility in that moment to change it 
then choose what you're going to be responsible for. Am I going to be responsible for holding on to this or am I going to be responsible for replacing it and building a new instead of carrying that with me? Because those things and those beliefs and the way that we're showing up in the world, there's ways that have not served us ever. They don't make us feel great. They are serving someone else's agenda besides our own and outside of ourselves. And they stray us from our true self. And she goes on to share this quote where she must have shared in, if it wasn't in Untamed, it has been somewhere else because this quote has been written in my journal dozens upon dozens of times it lived on my mirror for so long and it's so beautiful and it's a mantra that I feel really carried me through those tough transitional times and the quote is let me fall if I must the woman I am becoming will catch me I'm going to say that one more time let me fall if I must the woman I am becoming will catch me and that is how I built belief over and over and over again. I know people say woo-woo about affirmations. However, your beliefs and your stacking of your habits and your thoughts have gotten you where you are now. Whether that is feeling great and feeling like you are living in your truest self or if you are more so fueling the fires of your ego and feeling really self-conscious and insecure and struggling with the relationship with yourself. That quote is just so beautiful and I forgot about it until I listened to it because it had been you know in one of the many journals but I'm bringing it back it is now sitting in my bathroom mirror because it's just so true and when you're ready to level up your truest self knows it and it's that little voice that's like okay she's ready for more she's ready to take on another challenge to heal and move on and find peace and healing is of course a very up and down journey and backwards and sideways and sometimes you throw it in reverse but when you come back home to your truest self I feel like that's what helps the healing process even more because it often feels really chaotic it feels like you're drowning and it's painful as fuck because coming to terms with the understanding of the role that you have played in your own suffering is brutal it is not easy to sit there and really hold yourself accountable in those ways because so often I know I have wanted to sit there and say, oh, well, that wasn't my intention. My intentionality isn't there when really my intention was my ego speaking. My intention was not my truest self. My truest self felt like that was too hard to admit. So my ego took over. And we are unlearning all of those things. But when you're unlearning that, you do go through a period of a withdrawal. It's the pull of continuing to do what you have always done and do the things that are what I like to call your default settings and your thoughts and your habits that have stacked up and built this life for you. And it's so tempting to want to just go back there when that's what you're used to. And your ego is a beast, but your true self is strong enough to slay that beast and enter anew. And every time you catch her slipping and you are able to replace that thought even if you don't fully believe it yet, but you trust that your future self is going to catch you, is going to be there cheering you on and is trying to build this foundation for you. I, this is also why I hate the phrase, fake it till you make it. Because I don't think in faking it till you make it. I think you can faith it till you make it. I think that you can borrow these things from your future true self that maybe is on the other side of this that you need to replace and rebuild those roots be within because your roots are potentially tied to things that are not you 
They are tied to things that were never you because you were never the problem. These issues that you might think and have aren't, are not you. You are not the issue. And let me just say, although I described that feeling of raw vulnerability with yourself when you're admitting those hard truths about the fact that maybe you've been living from a place of your ego instead of your true self for so long, and it is brutal and it is painful and there's nothing easy about it. And in some degree, you are choosing your hard. Once again, the power of duality in that same breath, it's also a beautiful awakening and empowering as hell when you start to learn that everything you need to make changes and live your healthiest, truest life has always lived within you. You've had it all along. And there is such an empowerment and freedom in that. You just need to unpack all the ego stuff in order to get to it and to start living from that place. Through the mess of it all, you feel like you're becoming more real. You start to really feel like you're more of yourself. I started to feel more at home with myself. It's always been me. And the freedom in that is so unparalleled to the old that even though when it feels rocky and I'm, you know, I was feeling like I'm stripped down to my rawest form of vulnerability, that you start to heal different versions of yourself, different chapters of your life. And I know my inner child felt sad and felt unworthy. My high school version of myself felt unworthy or that I wasn't enough. And in my 20s, I got mad about it. And in my 30s, I found peace within it. And it's such a journey to really sit and unpack all of that. And they say, like, oh, trust the journey. You hear that all the time. But But you really do need to. Like, no bullshit. There is no better place to be than in it, than in that messy middle of where am I going? What am I doing? This doesn't even feel like anything is working right now. And I just feel like, what's the point? And the point is that your future self is always going to catch you. So even when it feels messy, and it feels like it's chaotic and that nothing is working. It's actually the opposite. Everything is working because you have disrupted the turmoil. You've disrupted the pattern and the habits and the beliefs in your ego. And she's pissed about it. So give yourself some grace as you're unpacking all of this. I know last week I talked about going, uh, being great, meaning that it's in the little moments and to go easy on yourself. And now this week I wanted to kind of flip that a bit and talk about the hard work as well. So I kind of wanted to touch on what this has looked like personally for me. And my inner child, I truly believe, is healed in my classroom nearly on a daily basis. And I did not realize that this was happening until this school year specifically because I do have a group of students that are really just going through it to put it lightly. And I know that I have very distinct memories of becoming more aware of my body in fourth grade, and that's the grade that I teach. So I used to ignore the things that I would hear my students saying because I believed it too. And very early on, this is my 10th year teaching. This is my eighth year teaching this grade specifically. But the first few years that I was teaching, when I would hear the girls saying things I'm like, ooh, like I get it. And I would veer from those conversations or pretend like I didn't hear it and put it put a blind eye to it because I didn't even know how to respond to it because I also believed that. So I was I didn't have anything to offer those girls when they were feeling that way because I believed that way about myself. So what, what am I going to say? How can I change it? I didn't like hearing it from them. And did it make me think about the relationship I have with myself? Absolutely. It's a huge testament to that. So now I feel like I'm in a place where because I'm more aware of it and I hear it and it spikes up that red flag and all the warning signs and alerts go off, 
I do have the language to speak from it and to show them their beautiful truth and how to replace those thoughts and those beliefs. And it becomes more natural and stronger in those roots that I've built within me. So when I hear those girls, specifically I'm speaking to the girls um, because that's who I relate to the most, making these comments about food or how they look or other people, especially now that they're growing up in the world of social media. When I hear them compare or say that they wished a certain way or have them use derogatory language in regarding their bodies specifically or how they look specifically, I'm always quick to have a conversation about it and not in a way that's scolding them, but in a way that's inviting them in to unpack why they're saying what they're saying and how to replace those beliefs for themselves because I wish I had that growing up, but we just don't have that. Generationally, our parents were built upon this society. So were their parents. So were the parents before them. So it's generationally up to someone to stop it. So why not me? And why not have have it be in my classroom where I'm spending most of my time with these humans who I can relate to so much because I feel like that's where my relationship with my body really started. And I started becoming more aware of it. So it's been very healing. And because I'm healing and working on myself, I feel like I'm a better teacher for it. And that is also a testament to when we work on ourselves, how we become better in all the other roles that we play in life. Better friends, better daughters, better wives, better mothers, better teachers, better fill in the blank here. You become a better version of yourself in all ways, not just one specific. It has quite the powerful domino effect. I wouldn't be sitting here in front of this microphone right now talking to you if I didn't see the strength and power in it. And if I didn't truly believe that that truest self And that version of you is already sitting within you right now as you listen to this. Don't get me wrong. Therapy has also very much helped with all of this. (laughs) And in my 20s, I feel like I just became really angry. I became angry about it. I became angry at my body. I became angry that I got to the point that I was at in a relationship. And I was just lashing out at everyone close to me because I didn't feel safe to speak in the relationship that I was in. So... Whether it's writing letters to those versions of myself now then speak with compassion and love in replacement of that anger or in moments where maybe I want to be really reactive because of my ego and I actively respond from my true self instead and take a pause because we don't need to react. Reacting and responding I think are very different things. Responding allows you time to sit and not be too quick. When we want to quick and we want to like lash out and clap back, so to speak, that's your ego talking. And don't get me wrong. If you come at me sideways, it took me a very long time to find the balance in all of this because when I learned to stand up for myself better, I became real quick to clap back. And my ego was right there because my ego was trying to protect me because I was letting people walk all over me for so many years in my life that now my ego wants to protect that part of me and will clap back instead. And I think that there's a difference between standing up for yourself and clapping back. But I will still say I I have to do that the most and take the biggest pause if someone comes at me sideways, is telling lies about me, or questions who I am as a human being and my moral compass. That's when I really need to keep the beast at bay the most, I think. Um, But again, you were never the problem. And she talks about this quote. Oh, I think it was Amanda in this episode. These are the two quotes I wrote down. The first one I said and this one. And this one came from the women's U.S. gymnastics coach who was put on trial. And the judge was telling the girls who came up to testify, 
you were, quote, you were never the problem, but you are so much the solution. And I'm going to say that again. You were never the problem, but you are so much the solution. When you decide to take action against your ego and against the things that have held you back or have not served you or have made you question yourself for so many years in the little ways and the big ways and the hard ways, that's being part of the solution. You sitting down and wanting to acknowledge things that are really hard for you to admit about yourself and again, acknowledge the role that you play in your suffering because again, if you think that everyone else is against you and the world is against you, you might want to look back at yourself. If you find yourself in circumstances where people are turning their backs or if you are feeling like the world is against you, you are working against yourself in that moment. Our society is built on how insecure or inadequate we feel or how fearful we are, especially women, especially people of color, especially people in the queer community and LGBTQIA plus community. What would the world look like where we all took our power back and fought against these systems that prey on our self-hate? They would lose control. They being everyone else, they, the cis old white men, would lose their control. And that's not our problem. We are their problem. Because if we ever decided to fight back, the systems that were built on our self-hate would completely dismantle. And they would lose control. And that's really ultimately what our country and our world is based on. Pure control. So until we fight back and until we band together and realize how much stronger we are when we tell our stories, when we connect, when we realize that you are not alone and that we have all had different experiences in one way or another, that when you learn to drop that fear and that ego and that feeling of inadequacy and you actually band together and, for example, vote or get involved or just get more informed and fight back, That is just another example of how the people and the society, not even on an individual basis, but as a society that we are becoming are going to catch us. Having trust that as a collective, that life is going to catch us if we can band together and just go through the messy middle and do it for a future society and way of life for all of us to live freely. And don't get me wrong, I am very much able to call myself out. There are people that I look up to. I have friends that I look up to that are very involved that I learn from all the time. And you just need to be open in your mind and your heart to knowing the truth. First off, the actual truth of life in societies and these systems, and then also fuel those powers and and fuel the fires of wanting to dismantle it, which I also talk about in Body Bliss book two. Uh, which is coming out soon. So stay tuned for that little plug there. But I'm very much still learning it. And I very much feel insecure in that way because I don't know. And I feel like I should know more. But if we should ourselves all should all over ourselves, then we'll never learn the ways that our society is built upon holding us back. And it's okay to have an open mind and an open heart and to learn. And when you feel like you want to get defensive or fight back against, you know, well, that's not how it is or X, Y, and Z, Like, again, that's your ego talking. Drop your ego and have an open mind to how we can make this world a better place for ourselves and the babes behind us because we owe it to ourselves just as much as we owe it to them. So I hope that this episode helped shed a little bit light on ego versus true self and maybe gave you some cues as to 
how you maybe react that is your ego versus your true self. And again, personally, my ego is reactive and my true self is calm and responsive and curious and is going to ask questions both to myself and others and looking for understanding and not being so reactive in a place to want to fix because being a fixer is also my ego and that's very hard to admit. That was very hard for me to admit for a very long time because I thought my worth was in my ability to fix everybody else because that was easier, made it easier to ignore the things that were really going on and the storm going on within myself. So knowing that you're not going to fix everybody, it's not your job, and you have to work with yourself first and be okay with that. And when you're in that tumultuous, messy middle where you feel like you're drowning and you're pulled in a million directions and nothing else is working, I hope that you have the ability to pause and just have faith Maybe not necessarily trust yet because you can't trust a version of yourself that you don't even know has the ability to live in that world and show up in the world the way you want to, but have faith in the fact that that version of yourself is going to catch you when it gets hard. It makes it a little bit easier to navigate the yuck of it all. And you were never the problem. And I hope that you can find a way to listen to your true self. And I hope that this has given you maybe a little tools or a starting off point to maybe start unpacking that for you. And know that even on the days where you can't touch that work because that work feels too hard, you are still great in doing the little moments because when you're savage about the little things, doing this stuff right here is a hell of a lot easier. So thank you for being here. Please slide into my DMs and continue to share the parts of these episodes that you resonate with. It hits home and fills my heart in a way that I cannot ever find the words to adequately express. Thank you so much for being here and spending your time with me. And don't forget, shake your ass. Go be great. <laughs>